How many have been blessed this weekend? I, I, I tell you what, I went back to the church and I was fired up this morning. I told my church, we ain't settling. <laughs> We've learned a lot this weekend and I've been blessed here every year. Well, every year we come to expand, we are blessed. And I give God the honor and the glory for the opportunity to be able to share uh, this afternoon. Um, I love your pastor like a brother. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've known him since he was born. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're blessed to be in God's house. I don't want to take much of your time this afternoon. But if you have your Bibles, go with me to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23. Uh, we're going to read uh, verse 12. And when you have it, you may indicate it with an amen this afternoon. It's an old uh, familiar passage that we've read before on different occasions in our lives throughout the time that we've read the word. And I just want to spend a few moments on this. And it says, but he took a stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck the Philistines. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Lord, before I come to you, God, to speak your word, Lord, I ask that you would speak to my heart, that we would be able to hear uh, that which you have for us to hear, that, God, that you would anoint the ear to listen and the heart to dwell on what you have for us to say, God, that I may die and you live, and that your anointing would speak this morning or this evening in your blessed name we pray, and the church of God says, amen. amen. You may take your seats for a few moments, and uh, for a few moments, I want to speak over the subject, stand for sheep's sake. And uh, we have a reason to stand. We have something that God has asked us to stand for. And it's, it's an old familiar statement we used to hear back in the day. And it was expressing the importance of standing for something. It was exp explaining or expressing that if someone would stand, something great would happen. And I believe tonight God is just coming uh, to remind you with everything we've heard this week. And for those of you who are here tonight, to remind you that you have a reason to stand for. There is someone in your life that you must stand up as. And maybe you're not a leader in a church position, but you are a leader in your home. If you are a father or a mother, if you are an older brother, if you have cousins, if you have members or friends in school who aren't saved, but you are, you have a responsibility to stand up whatever area of your life is at. And for a few moments, I want to focus on the importance of standing up. Now, I understand that in life today, it's difficult standing. It's, it's not the easiest thing to do. It seems like everyone else is sitting down and few are standing up. But we come in this passage and we begin to see that there is a man that God is going to use. Now, let me explain to you just a little bit the importance of a leader. A leader is important because if he is going somewhere, then those you who are following will get there with him. If he has a vision, he's going to get there and those who are behind him will enjoy in that vision. If he has a desire and whatever he is fighting for to reach, those who are following him will get there as well. We see this in the life of Shemin. Shemin was a man who, when the Bible describes in 2 Samuel earlier, it said that all those who were in debt and in distress, those who had been uh, beaten or who perhaps had did something they weren't supposed to. They were coming from a bad background. The Bible says they came unto David and they followed David and David became their ruler or the one who would lead them. And this is why I say it's important as a leader because a leader has one destination and that is to get to his desire, his purpose, his vision. Now it's up to the leader to get there but it's a very important that who you 
are following is going to where he's supposed to go. Now, I understand we live in times where not everyone is leading the way they should. There are people that are leading you the wrong direction. This is why it's important that whoever you connect with, whoever you're going to get close to, whoever you're going to trust in, whoever you're going to rely in, as a woman, before she gets married, she needs to make sure the guy she's going to marry is going somewhere. He's going to get somewhere. He's not some bum. He's not some wasted man. He's not some wasted space. But he's someone who is going to lead and provide. As parents, we have to make sure we lead our children. Our children don't need parents who are going nowhere. They need parents who are going somewhere, who are going to get somewhere in Jesus' name, who are going to stand up for the glory of God no matter what comes. And God is looking for young people wherever you're at to stand. There are schools filled with hundreds and hundreds of people who need someone to just stand up. And God is looking for people to understand. For sheep's sake, please stand up. They depend on you. They need someone who is going to lead them to where they're going. And the Bible says that these men gathered up. It was over 400 men. And when we get to this passage, it's just going to describe a few men. And this is what a great leader does. He takes you from debt and makes you a man of valor. He takes you from brokenness and makes you whole. He takes you from being lost to being found. Aren't you glad that God has put someone in your life who's going to lead you down that path? It may be dark, but when God has put someone there, you follow. See, you you have to understand that the one in front of you is going to get you to where you need to go. There was a group of young men who were climbing a mountain and they were at the very top and they got to this place they've never gone before. But the guide comes and tells them, look, we are about to go in the most deadliest and the most dangerous spot of this mountain. You don't you can't see where you're stepping at, because if you look down, you're not going to see where I'm standing. And if you don't see where I'm standing, you're going to fall. And this is what happens with many of us. We start to see where we're walking. But God says, don't look down at yourself. Look at me the author and the finisher of your faith and he tells these young men wherever I go you go whatever I do you do if I turn sideways you turn sideways if I walk this way you walk this way but don't look down look at me a leader's gonna get you to safety it may be dangerous but I'm on my way somewhere it may be bad but I'm gonna get there soon enough because whoever is leading you will always get you to where you want to go And this is what God is looking for. But the sad fact is that there aren't many who are standing up to lead. They're not standing up to be a righteous leader. They're not taking the position that God has given them. When we begin to read this passage, I know we read just one verse, but just to kind of give you a little explanation of what's going on. The Bible tells us that it was a great turf war. They were fighting for something. They they were trying to gain territory over their property. And and this man had a beanstalk. He had a pea stalk. And his job was to defend it. It was a piece of ground. There was a turf war. I don't know if you've noticed in America, there's a great turf war going on right now. Between the church and and the world. Between we want to live however we want. And we want to live by what the word of God says. This turf war is going on. Where where we're constantly at war. And at battle. We see these new laws that are coming into place. That are saying it's okay to have an abortion. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. Can I tell you. It's not okay if it's not okay with God. It's not right if it's not right with God. It's not legal if it's not legal with God. We can say it. We can paint it. We can make it blue 
blue, red, or white. But if it isn't the word of God, it's not okay. And there's this turf war going on. We, they, just the other day, I think it was Friday, they had these group of women who went in front of a church and, and they were portraying an abortion and they were aborting Jesus Christ. They were saying he wasn't necessary. There's this turf war between good and bad. There's this turf war between the word of God and what's not the word of God. And God is looking for a church that says, you know what? I'm going to stand up for Christ's sake. I'm going to stand up for the sheep's sake. I'm going to stand up for what's right and the word of God but because of this turf war that was going on the Bible clearly says that people were afraid and this is a sad fact because in this passage we find that it was a time of great conflict everyone was at war they were at passage at going against each other they were fighting and this was their enemy the Philistines the Philistines in the Greek means to say an immigrant someone who is coming into some property to take possession and then he gets up and he moves somewhere else and then he gets up and he goes somewhere else that's how the enemy works he he works his way into your life and and he moves there and when he destroys it he moves over to your son's life your daughter's life and he begins to go from here to there but the Bible says that God didn't call us to be immigrants in fact the Bible says he called us to be planted in his word he says for I planted you and whoever is planted in the courts of my house they will flourish the church is not planted on the sand we are standing on the solid rock which is Christ Jesus and when we stand in God we can stand up for God God is not looking for us. And the reason I say this is because a lot of people treat Christianity or treat being saved like a vacation. You know what a vacation is, right? You go when you got some time. You go when you got some money. I know, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of us haven't gone on a vacation in a long time. So if you serve God like a vacation, you ain't served him in a long time. You ain't worshiped him. Serving God's not seasonal. You don't serve him because it's cold and then it's hot. You, you don't serve him because it's raining or it's not raining. You serve him because he's your savior. You serve him because he's been good. You serve him because he's been faithful. And during this turf war, it was a great time of conflict because the Bible says that the enemy would gather together and the people of God would flee. Isn't that a sad fact that the enemy can find a way to unite and the church finds a way to divide? We heard a pastor say yesterday, one of the pastors, how he mentioned that we shouldn't be competing. There shouldn't be a competition between my church and your church and that church and this church. We should be working together. And that's the way the enemy works. He comes and he brings this conflict. And God says the conflict should not be with the church. It should be with you and the world. The conflict shouldn't be between your brother or your sister. It should be between the church and the world. It should stand up together and fight against the world. But this is the problem that the enemy was gathering together. And the church was falling apart. Throughout the, the King Saul's life, there were three occasions where the Bible says that the, the enemy gathered together. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5, it says the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel. That was early in his kingdomship. Second time in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4, it says now the Philistines gathered together and the armies battled against them. The third time we find in his end of his career as a king in 1 Samuel chapter 28, he says, and it came to pass on those days that the Philistines gathered together. 
they, they came together. They, they came in unity. The first time the Philistines uh, came and attacked and they united, the Bible says that they used over 3,000 chariots. The second time they came against the Israelites, they used a giant that stood against him. And the third time they came against the Israelites, Israel had sinned and they used their own sin against them. While the church is dividing, the enemy is gathering up together. See, this is the thing. The enemy can't stand each other, but they work together. They, 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 they don't like you more than they hate each other. So they gather up together and they come and fight you. And this is the sad fact that when the church should be united, it's falling. And that's why the devil unites because it begins to take over our lives. The first attack against the, the Philistines, the Bible says that Saul lost his kingdom. The second time they attacked, the Bible says that Saul lost his honor, his reputation, and the glory of God left him. And the third time he fought while everyone was divided and the enemy was united, the Bible says he lost his life and the life of his children. That's what happens when a leader is not standing up where he should be. That's what happens when a leader isn't standing on the rock, which is Christ Jesus. See, because a leader's job is not to divide you. A leader's job is to unite you. And when they get together, it doesn't matter the army in front of you. They will fall because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Whatever lying, cheating devil, he's got no part in your life because God is in your life. It was a time of great conflict because it was a place where everyone was dividing. Not only was it a time of great conflict, but it was a time of great abandonment. It's one thing not to stand up, but it's another thing to completely abandon your position. See, I, I get that some people don't show up, and, and, and let me tell you something. If you got a position in church, it's more important than the position you got at work. See, because in the church, you're leading people to Christ. Now, I'm not saying go quit your job and go full time. That's not what I'm saying. But if you can show up on time to your job to fill your pocket, why not show up to the house of God to fill the house with the glory of God and lead people to the kingdom of God? I've been to churches because I travel all over the place. And I've been to churches where the musicians show up at 7.05 and church started at 7. Then they're tuning their guitars. They're plugging in the wires and making the most racket you've ever heard. And then they want to practice before they start. I've been to places where the Sunday school teacher didn't show up on time. Didn't even find a time to call. And meanwhile, you may say, it's just one Sunday, but wait a minute. It's the sheep's sake that are going hungry. It's the sheep that are going tired. It's the sheep that realize I must not matter because you're not here for me. It was a place of great abandonment. When they should have been standing, they weren't even there. They had disappeared. They were gone. Now, I understand sheep have a tendency to fly away and to go away. The Bible says they get scattered. But the danger is when a shepherd is abandoning his position. We expect that it's going to happen to our sheep. But it should never happen to the shepherd. It should never get to the point where you roll over in bed and say, today I'm just too tired. At least when you go to work, you call in sick. 
I had one guy tell me one time, Pastor, I didn't come because I forgot today was Sunday. Really? You're going to use that one on me. We have abandoned where God has put us. Remember, we're not standing for us. We're standing for the sheep that are standing behind us. And for sheep's sake, we must be present. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's not the easiest thing to do. Maybe you say, well, I got nothing to worry about. But you're a parent. Don't abandon your position as a parent. You stand and you parent your children like a godly parent. You know when someone, a parent abandons their position? When they let Google, Yahoo, Facebook, Twitter, emails, games, everything else babysit them. While you're too busy sitting on your tish watching some TV when you should be showing them the word of God. We've abandoned our position. We should be parents who say, you know what, in this house we serve God. In this house, we don't tolerate sin. In this house, you like it or not, you do what I say. We've abandoned the position. In our schools, we have young men and young women who come to our churches and on Sunday and Wednesday, they're with their hands up. But at the school, they're not standing up. They've abandoned their position. Here, they'll worship God. Over there, they act like they don't know God. They hang out with groups they shouldn't hang out with. The Bible says be careful not to hang with unequal yokes. You have to separate yourself. It doesn't mean you don't teach the word of God. You don't express the word of God. But you don't got to live like them. I'm going to tell you something. Just because they're doing it don't mean you got to be doing it. Just because they dress in that way don't mean you got to be dressing that way. I'll be honest with you, man. We got kids going to school looking like fools. Because their parents let them walk out dressing whatever. I got three boys and I make sure if them shorts look a little tight, change them, brother. They a little short, get some longer ones. Man, if I would have had three little girls, they'd be walking out with sweaters to their neck all the way down to their ankles. I guess that's why God didn't give me one. What I'm saying is we're, we're abandoning the position, and then we have our kids, and they go act the way they act, and then they come back to church. What it's sending is a mixed message that you can live one way on Sunday, but you can live another way on Monday. And God says do not abandon your position. Do not abandon the moral principle. Do not abandon the godly word. If it isn't in his word, it shouldn't be in your mouth. If it isn't in the word, you shouldn't be putting it on. If it isn't living like the word, you shouldn't be acting that way. See, I grew up believing that if you're going to marry somebody, you live with them when you get married, not before you get married. See, your spouse isn't let me try it, see if I like it, spouse. No, you take a step of faith and you get married with that honey and you say, baby, I'm going to live with you for better or for worse. But we live in a world where we do it backwards. We're going to try it out, see if it works out. We've abandoned our position. God's word is simple. Don't touch till you get married. See, being a fiancé or a boyfriend does not get the privileges of being a husband. 
See, me and my wife been married. We just hit 20 years. She's got the privilege to have all of this. I'm hers. When we were going out, all of this was off limits. See, because I was raised, you don't touch until you're married. Well, that's old-fashioned. Well, that's why Jeremiah said, stand in the way. Now, when he said that, he wasn't looking that way. He was standing against the current. Stand up against the current. Now, I get it. You've been living before you knew Christ together. Well, it's simple. Get married now. I had a young man come up to me and said, Pastor, we've been living together for seven years. I said, that's fine. But as soon as you get right, you better get ready because I'm marrying you. Well, we don't have time to plan. You don't need a plan. Boy, you've been living for seven years. Let's just get it over with. You've already had the cake, man. Let's get you married. I said, in fact, next Sunday before church, you get married. Okay, Pastor, okay. We, we, we've abandoned our position where, where we're letting people live however they want and then they come into church and do whatever they want. But that's not what God is looking for. He's looking for people who will stand up in the word of God and say, I'm not flaking. I ain't no flaker. I'm going to stand on the word of God. It may not look right. It may not feel right. But I'm not moving from here. Uh, you know, I, I think we're in times where, where God is looking for people who will stand up no matter what. And we're going to find out that sometimes in life we're going to have to stand up and take a stand. Even if, it's not, even if everyone else says it's not the right thing to do. It's time we stand up even if it's not the right thing to do. It's time we stand up even though it doesn't feel right. It's time to stand up even if it doesn't look good. And I'm going to tell you something. In my house and in my church and in my ministry and in what God has called me to do, we will take a stand because it's the right thing to do. And even though we're standing by ourselves, we will not buckle. We will not bow down. If it doesn't honor God, we're not going to do it. If it doesn't please God, we're not going to live that way. If it doesn't honor God, we're not going to talk that way. God comes first. Yeah. Plain and simple. But we're living in times where we've abandoned our position. We, we, we're a bunch of Hollywood stars in church. Faking it. But we shouldn't be. We're the real deal. We've been washed in the blood. Bible says that when they arrived, the verse before this, that the people had scattered. They were gone. There's nothing more dangerous than when the devil shows up in your territory and you're not there. When he comes and knocks on your children's door, but you're not there. When he comes and he knocks on your sheep's door and you're not there. See, the Bible says that the sheep hear his voice and they know it. The reason why they know it is because the shepherd has spent time with them. The shepherd has lived with them. The shepherd has took care of them. The shepherd has feed them. But when the shepherd is abandoning his position, the sheep have no clue what their shepherd sounds like. So when they hear their friends tell them to do something or they see something or they hear something. They should hear the voice of God through their shepherds say we don't do those things. We, we don't act that way. That is wrong. But instead they don't hear it so they fall. 
they disappear. Years ago, Georgie was about maybe 10, 11 years old. We were at a football game, and they went to go play some football down in the back, and they were playing, and he comes one day sitting there all tired, and he sat next to me. I said, son, you done playing football? He said, no, but my friend started to smoke back there behind the bleachers. And I said, I don't do that kind of stuff. I wasn't raised that way. God's not pleased with that. And he came and sat down all by himself. He, he didn't get his friend's approval, but he got daddy's blessing. He, he didn't get his friends liking him, but he got God honoring him. Now he's leading YA at his school. Why? Because he never compromised his position. The saddest fact is that when the enemy comes knocking, then there's no one to answer. The enemy came with two purposes. The first reason he came was to inflict casualties. He wanted to destroy the sheep. And the second reason he came was to destroy the crop. The reason why they fled was because they didn't have anyone who was standing. They didn't have anyone who was remaining where they were put. We have a lot of people preaching, but we don't have a lot of people standing. This is the easy stuff right here, the preaching part on the pulpit. It's when you stand by yourself that no one is watching. It's when you spend time in prayer and you seek God. See, it's easy to post, I'm a Christian. We all can do that. Put all these godly quotes on Facebook. Who untie my bow tie? We can all do that stuff. We can all come in here and clap our hands. But it's in those secret moments when instead of you running, you stand up and say, God, I'm going to trust you. It's in those moments when everyone is making fun of you. You stand up and you're going to trust him. But they cannot stand. The sheep will not stand if the shepherd is not there to stand before them. You want to know why me and my brothers are still standing? Why we haven't thrown in the towel? Because I'm going to tell you, it, there's been some times where it's real easy to just throw in the towel. But you know why? Not because we're de los santos. It's because we had parents who never stepped down. They stood on what they believed in. And you know what they taught us? That the God they believed in was real. That's the saddest thing that I see parents come in and they serve God for six months and then they're gone for another six. And their kids are confused. If he's so real, why are we not going to church today? If he's so real, why are you acting that way today? And that's the problem. God is looking for men who will stand up, women who will stand up, leaders who will stand up and say we will not move for nothing. They stood there. And they would flee because they were afraid. And you know what the enemy found when he got there? A free field and free lamb chops. He could tear them up. He could destroy them. And he could do away with them. Because there was no one there to stand up. But bring it up, children. So not only was it a time of great abandonment, It was also a time of great courage. 
See, as bad as the world was then, there was still someone who had some courage in him. Now, I, I don't understand why he didn't stand up right away. What, what, what was the reason why he, he had a stand? That means he, he wasn't in the position where he was. And, and this is the problem that I think that some of us have is that we're sitting when we should be standing. I, I'm still in church. I, I still sing the songs. I still worship. I, I still pray. But if you don't stand on it, you're not standing. The Bible says that it was a time of great conflict, it was a time of abandonment, but it was also a time of great courage because the Bible says that when they came, Shechem got up. But let me tell you something. For some of us, we're sitting down because of this. It's just gotten too hard to stay standing. It's gotten too hard to stay put where God put us at. Because we haven't seen the good things. We haven't seen what we wanted to see. I'm going to be honest with you. There's some things that I've been praying for for years. And we haven't seen it come to pass yet. We read the book of Hebrews at chapter 11 and talks about all the men who had faith in God and all the men who trusted in God, the women who had trust in God, and they had faith and they did this. They had faith and they did that. That's the good side of faith. That's the one side of the coin. But you go all the way down to the bottom and it says, but yet of those who did not receive what they believed in. See, it's easy to stand when you're getting what you've been promised, but it's difficult to stand when you haven't received it yet. See, I don't have a problem preaching if I know I'm doing okay, but when you're broke and you have nothing to have and you have to sleep in your car because you ain't got enough to get to the next place to get a room, when you don't have enough to pay for your bills and you don't know what you're doing and you don't know how you're going to get out and your kids need this and that and that, it's not easy to stand and we pray God make a way, but in those moments when it doesn't show up, it's just easier to sit down. It's beautiful preaching about faith. Because it's going to happen. But what when it doesn't happen? Because I'm going to be honest with you. When they diagnosed my mom with cancer, I wasn't worried. I said, I serve a big God. And my God's going to heal my mama. And my God's going to remove that cancer. And my God's going to do things. That was my faith. But when mama died, That's the other side of faith. It's easy to believe when you know who your God is. But when your God doesn't answer, that's when faith comes real. I know God took mama, but God's not done yet. I know God didn't heal mama, but didn't mean that God couldn't yet. I don't understand it, but faith doesn't let me sit down. Because it's easy to stand up when everything is well. But when you get a bad report, can you stay standing? Let me tell you, this, this is the thing I, I think. He, he, he was tired. He, he was going through some things. You, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes you, you, you expect people from your church are going to do something, and then they don't. Members who come and tell you, Pastor, I will never leave your back. And then they do. People will stand up by you when everything is good. But when you're going through some stuff, you like the ugly duckly all by yourself. The Bible says Shechem stood up. That means he was sitting down. And, th and let me just give you 
Two or three reasons why, what you got to do sometimes to stand up. Number one, the first thing I believe in is that to, to stand up. This is what he had to do. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, remember your former days. Re remember where you used to be. Remember when way back here you, you were going to hell in a handbasket. You were the worst basket case in the golden corral. You know, you were the worst and you were going nowhere. But that day Jesus Christ saved you and he changed you and he transformed you. You were shooting up. Now you're praising up. You were messed up. Now you're straightened up. You were lost, but now you've been found. Remember where I brought you from. Remember when you didn't have a penny, but I provided. Remember when you didn't have a wife, but I gave you. Remember when you were broke, but I showed up. Remember when you were sick, but I healed. Remember when your son was deaf, but I brought back healing. Remember what I've done for you. Don't forget where you were. And this is what I think he did. He's sitting down, and he looks back. You know, when I'm sitting on a chair and I'm going to get up from the table, I always look back before I slide back. You got to do that when you're my size. Because you take up plenty of space. And, and he, he had to look back. And he starts to remember, wait a minute. I was there, but look at where I'm at right now. I, I was in point A, but look at me. I'm right now in point M. I, I, I was messed up there, but look at me now. I shouldn't be sitting down. I should stand up. Look at what he has done for me. The goodness of the Lord has been with me. And he got up and said, wait a minute. This is mine. For some of you, I think with some of you, what you have to do, how many of you, when you get my age, my uncle Mike says this, somebody atres. If you're not this size, you don't know what we're talking about. One, two, three. You gotta, this is what I think, man. You have to lean in. And this is the Bible says. It says, do not stand in your beliefs and in your ways, but lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. In all that you do, in all that you believe in, I know it hasn't been easy, but lean in the word of God, lean in what he says, and me and my house, we will serve the Lord because God keeps his word. You know, for some reason, I don't know this, but it's for some reason, People with Down syndrome are attracted to me. They like hanging out with me. I don't know why. I've even had some come want to ask me out. I'm, I'm married. I was in a church the other day, and, and Brother Jojo was with me, and, 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 and they went up to him, and she shook her, his hand like this. She came, and you know what she did? She, she, she comes, and, and she, she was born at three months. And she's now 12 years old. In her church, she stands up on her pulpit, and they have her a mic, and, and she worships God. And through the whole service, I was watching her. They, it's not on, but she's singing. She worships in her own way. And she comes, and she leans in. I was going to shake her hand, and she goes underneath my arm, and she got a hug. And, and she was hugging me because, and, and you know what they told me? They said, ella nunca abraza nadie. She understood that 
there was something in my life that blessed her life. She came to the altar. Man, when I was preaching, she was praising God. She leaned in, and when I walked away, that's when I felt God say, you know what? That's all you got to do when life gets hard. You got to lean in. You got to come and go under his arm and say, you know what? I, I, I know you got my back. I know you're going to take care of me. I know you're going to hold on to me. You know, you know, let me tell you something. I've been married for 20 years. And you know what my wife loves the most? She just wants to lean in my arm. She'll come and she'll lay there. And I'm like, that's it? <laughs> All night long. She, that's why this arm was built. She's like, all I want to do is just lay here and relax. Okay. Those of you who are married, you know what I'm talking about. And she won't be able to fall asleep, but the moment I wrap her in, she's gone. She don't need a sleep me pillow, whatever those my pillows are. She just needs pastor's arm. Because she learned to lean in. The last thing that I think that he needed to stand up, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and so it says, hold steadfast to your confidence. When we go and eat and you ever go with Jabez, you better make sure you finish all the drink on your glass because when he gets up, he puts both hands. Now, I'm skinny compared to my boy. He's tall. But he puts both hands on the table and he pushes and get back up. See, the table becomes his confidence, his support to get up. God says, hold steadfast to your confidence. I've been sitting, but I'm going to stand. I was down, but I'll get back up. And the Bible says that when Jesus is our confidence, he says that if he is our confidence, we will not fear. In fact, the Bible says if Jesus is our confidence, he will watch our feet from tripping. This is the good news, guys. Well, life may get difficult and hard, but because he's your confidence, you can stand up and you can walk through deadly serpents. You can stand up and walk through the edge of the river. You can stand up and walk through the water. It may come, but it's not going to surpass you. It may be hot, but it's not going to burn you. Because he is your confidence. It was a time of great courage because he stood up. But what did he stand up for? The Bible says he stood up for his pea patch. Some Bible scholars say it was maybe about an acre, acre and a half, half an acre. Very, it was a very small piece of property. And for me, it'd be like, that's just a waste of time. It's not much value there. There really isn't much here for you to stand up for. It, it, it's not worth you standing here in this position. Church, can I be, one, be honest with you? Unless we stand up for something, we'll fall for anything. If we don't stand up for this, We'll fall for anything. We don't stand up for what he says. We'll follow anyone. And he, he stood up for something very insignificant to everybody else. 
But to him, he stood up for the sake of his sheep. Now, I want to ask you, Shelby, if she can come here real quick, and Aaliyah. <coughs> Shelby, if you can stand on that corner. This, this is just basically how the Lord gave it to me to show it to you this evening. Now, don't go so far. Just, just don't, 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 don't make me walk too far. A few, year, well, few months ago, I was back here in October, and I had told you how in August the Lord had asked me to start a diet. And I've been preaching about how starting the diet, the challenges it has. And I know for a lot of people, it doesn't matter to you. You're like, who cares? That's what you get for eating too much. That's what you should be doing. And I came and I, I, I testified on how the Lord had called me to stand up for what was mine, to fight for what was mine. It didn't matter so much. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, how, how can I express the importance of standing up for the sheep flock? And this is what a lot of us go through. This is what a lot of us experience because the devil will come and say, why bother? It's just one youth. You just got a handful of, of people in your church. You, you just got a handful of people in your, in your ministry or in your small group. You don't have a lot. You just, you just got a little bit. You just got one child. You just got your husband. You just got your wife. You don't have much to fight about. But this is what I believe God is telling us today. And this is why it's for the sake of the sheep. Right here, this is just a $20 bill. Hold that. You hold that. If Shelby were to go to the store right now and go and buy something with that $20, she'd go to the counter and say, here. You think they're going to take it? They're going to be like, where's the rest? If she comes and says, I got $20 to the same cashier, She's going to be like, you should have showed up a little earlier, and maybe we could have put them both together, and you could have bought what you wanted. But go back, because I am not taking it. This is very insignificant. It's just one little piece of paper. You can crumble it. There's nothing there. There's nothing there for you to find. And, and if you have it, you can just look at it and say, hmm, no, hombre. This is all I got. If I had the rest, man, it would be great. All I've got is five young people in my church, and they drive me crazy. This is all I have. I've been a pastor for so long. It's not much. I look everywhere else, and they got a full 20. But all I have is this. Now, if Shelby were to come and stand next to Aaliyah, those pieces of land are still very insignificant. It's not important. It doesn't matter to you because you got a 20 in your pocket. And they don't. And this is what God is trying to tell you today. Your peace may be insignificant by itself. It may not matter to no one else. It may look that by itself it's meaningless. 
But in the grand scheme of things, in the full puzzle, in the full picture of God's tapestry, when he starts to put everything together, he starts to put every piece together. What is insignificant may seem like that to everyone else. But in God's plan, this is God's plan. His full plan is he wants a full 20. So he grabs Shelby over here and he puts her right here and he starts putting the pieces together. And then he gets the other ministry and he puts it together. Let's hold it Hold it right. Work with me. Work with me. I'm trying to look good here, making it work. And, and, and this is all she's got, and this is all he's got, she's got. But when we put them together, come here, come here. You know what we got? We got $20. You know what happens when you put your faith together with someone else's faith? You know what happens when you trust someone else together? She may be by herself, but when God puts us together, there's nothing we cannot do in Jesus' name. It may just be my peace, but when God puts me with you, oh, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. It doesn't matter what the enemy plans because when you put it all together, that's what I'm standing for. That's what I'm believing for. That's what I'm praying for. See, because the two reasons he came was to cause casualty and was to cause hunger. Because the enemy knew that if you can't feed the, shah, the sheep and you can't protect the sheep, they go hungry. They die. But when the men's group comes together and the women's group comes together and the youth group comes together and the children's group comes together and the ushers get together and the greeters get together and the evangelist team gets together and the brother gets together and the sister gets together and the husband gets together and the wife gets together we begin to get together and the Bible says not only was it a time of great courage but it was a time of great conquest because when all the pieces came together one man stood up and he said enough devil you messed with me long enough you've taken what was mine for long enough I will stand up and I will take care of my sheep for their sake I will take you down the Bible says thank you y'all can put it together and y'all can go buy yourselves an ice cream the Bible says that Jesus came and he grabbed the pieces from the left and the pieces from the right on the cross and he held them together being able to strip the nails out if he wanted to. Being able to cast everyone down. You see, he could have looked like a hero and caused everyone to drop dead. But that wasn't the grand scheme of things. That wasn't the full picture. He understood, I'm going to die for my sheep's sake. I'm going to lay down my life for my sheep's sake. I'm going to be lifted up for my sheep's sake. And the Bible says if the Son of Man be lifted up, he will draw all men together. Can I tell you, we're here today not standing on our own. We're standing on God. We're standing for our sheep. I've got people I'm fighting for. I got a wife and children I care for. I got a brother and a sister, whoever they may be that I'm fighting for. Because I know what I'm fighting for. I have something to stand up for. See, my, 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 my losing weight may not matter to you, but it matters in the plan of God. You'd be like, how is that the will of God? You want to know why? Because I'm a father. I want to be long enough, around long enough to see my grandchildren serving the Lord. Because I'm a husband. 
I don't want my wife to have to worry about where, what's going to happen if I go too soon. I'm her strong arm. But most of all, because he called me. And if I don't do it for him, who's going to stand up for my children? I have a ministry that I love with all of my heart. Going on three years, it, I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been the time of my life seeing men come to the altar, falling before God, accepting Christ. And you know, I couldn't do any of this. Back in August, as I told you in October, when I leaned over and told my brother Isaac on that long trip, I feel God saying, I ain't good to, I ain't, you ain't any good to me if you're dead. You're useless if you're dead, guys. You can't do nothing dead. This matters not to you, but to them. It matters to my wife and my kids. It matters to my church. It matters to my ministry. And when God puts everything I'm doing for my family and how I'm raising them and what I'm doing for them, and this coming weekend, Nathaniel's going to be preaching at the Winter Summit, it matters because he had a dad to show him and she show him the way. It matters because he had a dad who said, you know what, this is what you do. It matters. It may not affect you, but it's affecting him. And when he gets up there to preach and people's lives are changed, it affects them. It all started on my little property. Last October, this suit could not fit me. I had it right here. And now it still fits me just for now. <laughs> See, I, I, I can even touch my toes. You don't realize how many times I had to roll on the floor to put my shoes on. It may not matter to nobody else, but it's your family. Stand up for your sheep's sake. Stand up for your family's sake. Stand up for what's yours. God is wanting you to stand. So I'm going to ask you to rise to your feet this evening. And I don't know what you need. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you've experienced, what you're going through. But you can stand up tonight. All it took was for him to stand. He didn't do it on his own strength. He did it on God's strength. He's not asking you to do it. He's just asking you to stand up and he'll do it through you. He'll do it for you. You, you become his mouthpiece, his vessel. You become his instrument. You become his property. And together, when God puts everything together, he begins to do something in your life. Now, there where you are, I just want you to close your eyes and begin to think about the sheep in your life. Whatever it is, if it's your children, if it's your wife, your husband, if it's your brother, your sister, if it's your ministry in your church, it may not seem like it's a lot, but it's yours. You've been put there as a leader.
Begin to think about all the ones that God has for you. To fight for. To believe in. To trust in. Everyone that you are accountable for. Think about them. Think of who they are. The ones who haven't been around for a while. The ones you haven't seen for a while. The ones you see every day. The ones you, you know are, are, are somehow, some way, you, you, you're doing something significant in their lives. They, they may not know it, but you're doing it. Just begin, there we are, just thinking of it. I know life hasn't been easy. I know it's been, it's been hard raising your kids by yourself. I, I know it hasn't been easy trying to live in this crooked and tough, tough world. I know it hasn't been easy standing there. It seems like the results aren't coming through fast enough. But take it from someone who's waiting on God to do something great. It's worth waiting for. I haven't got it yet, but it's coming. I haven't received it yet, but it's on the way. And God can't give it to me if I'm sitting down. God can give it to me if I stand up. If I would just stand up for the sake of my people, God's going to do something. If I were to just to stand up for the sake of my child you see sometimes you got to stand up while everyone else is sitting down so that your sheep can understand we don't stand up for just anything we stand up for the right thing we stand up for what's right before God we stand up for what honors God we stand up for what brings God glory and when you stand up it'll tell your son to your daughter I don't got to settle for this I don't got to sit down here I don't got to wait here I don't got to drop this here I can stand up alongside I can stand up for my brother I can stand up for my sister I can stand up if you're a leader of the church or a leader in your family or a leader in your school whatever kind of leader you are today let's declare before God I'm going to remain standing God and I'm going to invite you to come to your altar, to this altar. And I want you to just come and stand and say, Lord, I, stand. I don't want you to kneel down. Because right now, we're going to do something before God and say, Lord, I'll stand. Lord, I'll stand. I'll stand for my brother. I'll stand for my sister. I'll stand. If you're willing to stand, I invite you to come and say, Lord, I'm going to stand up. I've got too many people who are counting on me to stand up. I've got too much family who is counting for me to stand up. If no one else will do it, I'm going to do it. If no one else will stand, I will stand. I will stand up for my sheep's sake. I will stand up for my children's sake. I will stand up for my church's sake. I will stand. I'll stand up for my marriage. I'll stand up for my brother. I'll stand up. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. All I'm saying is possible. Lean in. Lean in. Lean into God tonight. Hold on to your confidence. Remember of what he's done for you. Of where he's brought you through. And get ready. Because that breakthrough is on its way. The miracle is on its way. The battle is already over. The victory is about to happen. The trumpet's about to sound. Oh, yes. Tell him, Lord. Lord, I'm standing. I'm standing, I'm standing, I'm standing. Lord, help me to stand. Stand for my children's sake. Stand for my family's sake. Yes. Come on. 
Tell them. Tell them. Lord, help me to stand. Help me to stay put. Help me to wait. Help me to trust. Help me to run. Help me to believe. Help me to remain. Lord, I'm standing. Lord, I'm standing. All it takes is for you to stand and he'll stand on your behalf he'll stand on your behalf he'll stand for your children he'll stand for your marriage he'll stand for your children all you gotta do is stand and when you stand oh he will be lifted up he will rise up he will stand up